0: Just in time for the holidays, GoDaddy.com now offers gift cards. Available as e-gift cards or a personalized mail card, GoDaddy gift cards can be used for domain names, hosting, or anything else from the GoDaddy.com website. Additional discounts do not apply to the purchase of gift cards, but can be used when redeeming them. Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code RON when you check out and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. Because you still haven't ordered 11 more MuggleCast t shirts. Thank you, Kate20 of Florida. This is MuggleCast episode 65 for November 26, 2006.
1: Two men own yachts. One of them puts his yacht on a river of milk. The other man disapproves considerably and maintains that such a substance could never keep the balance of the boat at optimum efficiency. The second man puts his yacht in a river of coffee. The first man discusses openly his lack of respect for this decision. Again, the two uh, yacht owners voice their contempts. Each other. This creates a very tense atmosphere, and both men begin having a huge, huge public argument about their differences in terms of uh, yachts. However, one of the men is a lot more accepting and apathetic than than the other. In the end, he turns around and says, "Okay, seriously, let's stop arguing. Whatever floats your boat." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, what Jamie, a way I to know s- why
2: the fan love you so much.
1: Oh yeah, I know.
0: What a way to start off our 65th <laughs> episode of MuggleCast. <laughs> How many? You know, we're we 65. Retire. Isn't 65 be, the retirement we're good. Age? Yep. We're right. done.
1: This is it. We're getting our special pensions. Eh?
0: We do have a good show for everyone uh, this week. We got a special interview with the creators of the Harry Potter and Order of the Phoenix video game. By the way, who did that? Who, who's in
2: that interview? Me and Kevin. You didn't invite me?
0: Um, it's not that I didn't invite you. You weren't around. When was it? When did you do it? Uh, it was at noon two weeks ago. Thanks, thanks a lot, dude.
1: Thanks for inviting me. Sorry. Why are you asking now? Why didn't you... <laughs> ben, surely you realized after he'd recorded it that he worked <laughs> on it. <laughs> I
3: didn't know when he recorded it.
2: <laughs> I, my name is Andrew Sims. My name is Benjamin Carl
4: Shane. My name is Jamie Matthew Lawrence. My name is Eric James Matthew Padfoot Skull.
5: And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. Jason Isaacs recently spoke to The Observer about his upcoming projects, and of course, a little about Harry Potter. He said, I spent two weeks having a wand fight with Helena Bonham Carter, who plays Bellatrix Lestrange, and Gary Oldman, who plays Sirius Black. Potter is a well-oiled machine now, whichever director is in charge, although it's a slow process working with all those special effects. But it's such a laugh, five weeks hanging out with Oldman and Maggie Smith, who plays Professor McGonagall, and Michael Gambon, who plays Professor Dumbledore, who's a right mischievous devil. Speaking of good old Lucius, Forbes magazine has released a list of the wealthiest fictional characters, and Lucius Malfoy came in at number 12, three places better than last year's number 15 ranking. The site estimates his net worth to be $1.3 billion. The Guardian is currently running a competition where entrants must guess the title of book 7, and the one judged to be the best and most innovative will win a J.K. Rowling signed book plate. The contest will close at midnight on December 6th. Electronic Arts, maker of the entire Potter video game series, on Tuesday announced a new video game, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. The press release can be checked out over on MuggleNet.com. HBO On Demand is currently airing a special preview of the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix movie. The preview runs for almost four minutes and includes tons of new footage, including behind-the-scenes glimpses at the making of the movie. Be sure to check MuggleNet.com for other various Order of the Phoenix videos, interviews, and photos, including some of the interior of the Ministry of Magic, Harry and Mr. Weasley attending the disciplinary hearing, the writing on Harry's hand from Umbridge's Quill, Azkaban, concept art of Groth, a Death Eater, and pics from the set of Snape's Storage Room. Dan Radcliffe will fly to Melbourne, Australia for the Australian Film Institute Awards. On December 7th, Daniel and some other celebrities will announce the winners in the Melbourne Exhibition Center with a national telecast on Channel 9 at 9.30 p.m. Finally, in a very special edition of the Leaky Mug released earlier this week, you can learn the details of how Grim Old Place will appear in the fifth film, hear about the Potter set in general, and much more from Andrew's special visit to the Order of the Phoenix set. That's all the news for this November 26, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show.
0: All right, thank you, Micah. You're welcome. Micah, you know, there was a lot of uh, hot stories this week. Or the Phoenix. There were a lot of hot stories. There were. You want to tell us about them?
5: No, absolutely
0: not. Good, because we're actually going to wait until uh, later. <laughs> See, in the show. I knew
5: that. I knew you were going to say that. So we're,
0: <laughs> we're going to get. Um, we're going to focus. <laughs> this this show is basically about um, or the, the Phoenix and the inter. Yeah, the movie in general. We have a couple of rebuttals, of course, but uh, first we do want to talk about some rebuttals or, or uh, <laughs> announcements. T-shirts. It's coming to an end. I can't even talk about them anymore because I'm just going to cry every time I think about them. Um, January 1st is the last, you know, December 31st is the last day that we could sell them January 1st. We have to, uh, stop selling the MuggleCast t-shirts forever. So make sure to purchase your own. I purchased four the other day because I want to make sure that I stock up. It's like, um, Y2K right before, uh, the year 2000, everyone was afraid that all the technology was going to stop working. And everyone bought water and stuff just in case. Like, well, they this is stocked the same thing. You have to this buy is it. the same thing. Yeah, a million Michael t shirts. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Just in case ne- they never come back, which they won't. <laughs> um, also, interesting little uh, competition going on on Podcast Alley right now. Um, we beat Keith and Girl. And we're right up there <laughs> up top with uh, our friends at uh, Pottercast. The what? At what, uh, sorry? At what? The who? The, hey, it's this other Harry Potter podcast. Oh, I've never heard of him. You guys ever hear this? No. no. So don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. Um, also, uh, a book.
2: We have a book now? We have a you guys, book. You guys wrote a book? Ladies and gentlemen, MuggleNet.com's What Will Happen in Harry Potter 7? Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Falls in Love, and How the Adventure Finally Ends. By Ben Shane. Emerson Sparts, um, Andy Gordon, that's me, Gretchen Stoll and Jamie Lawrence. That's me, by the way, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) It's a very good book. Um, you should go out and buy it. It's in your local retailers. Now for those of you in the Chicago area, Emerson and I will be holding an event at the Skokie, Illinois, Barnes and Noble, which is a Chicago suburb. Um, yeah, go out and see us. We're going to be talking about the book. It might be a good idea to read it. So you can ask us questions, you know, quiz us about it before you when we get there. Um, yeah, so come out and see us. It'll be good old time. Yeah, we'll post more information on the site, and yeah, that's about it. So remember, you can pre-order it through Olivons, which will help support the MuggleCast, the site,
0: everything. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and do that. So Ben, um, as a fan of you, I know that I'm really going to want to um, get a picture with you to post mm-hmm. on my MySpace and get your autograph. Will you be doing that at this event? I guess. I guess I could oblige for you, Andrew. Oh, F- okay. $50, awesome. you said last time, didn't you, Ben? Yeah. That's your standard <laughs> charge. Okay, and then also, we want to remind everyone that coming up with episode 70, which will be uh, the show we re- release on New Year's Eve, I think, will be our MuggleCast variety show that is made up of your songs, your, uh, song? your segments. Your huh? song? Huh? Your, song, your uh, song. The one by Ellen John. Yeah. and going to that as opening. Yeah. <laughs> ben, have you uh, ever heard no, that it's... song before? Can you give me a for you? No, we don't. Yeah, we don't need that. Okay. <laughs> well, the show will be uh, made up of your song segments that and your segments that were submitted back a few months ago, back in February, March, or April, I think it was, when um, we had a create your embargo cast segment contest. So we're going to air some of those that we never aired. And uh, I, I have a big announcement to come along with this announcement. He's coming out, folks. <laughs> He's coming out. <laughs> I Anderson. Sim- it really is coming out. I He's Andrew pregnant. Sims. I am pregnant. I, Andrew Sims, I am starting my own wizard rock band.
2: Yeah, you told me this the other night. I was like, what are you up to? And he says, starting my own
0: wizard rock band. What's it going to be, Andrew and the Sims? I do not know. I don't have a name yet for the band. I'm working on my first single right now. It has a good <laughs> beat. its I'll give you a little preview. It's about the, um, the, uh, the podcast that we do. And um, I really think it's going to be a big hit. Are you you singing, too? Yeah, well, it's more of a rap. (laughs) But, um, so I'm really excited about it, and, uh, it's gonna be, the single is gonna make its premiere on episode 70, our variety show, and, uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. Um, you know, there's bands out there like U2 and, uh, Elton John, and I really think I'm, I'm right up there with them, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what the response is like. So you – if you if you want to be a part of our variety show, please email your song or segment to MuggleCast at staff.mugglenut.com. We're looking for like MuggleCast remixes, fun stuff like that. Try to keep it short, like five minutes or so. Uh, or you know it could be shorter than that, two minutes, whatever. Uh, so thanks <coughs> for Make that. We have a rebuttal now. All right. The
5: first rebuttal comes from Riva of Cleveland, Ohio. She said it was very brave of you guys to take on the age-old question of nature versus nurture as it relates to Harry Potter. After several semesters of philosophy and philosophy of religion, I still can't make up my mind. I do, however, think that if there is something innate in our nature, it will come out. Voldemort would most definitely have been troubled, maybe even psychotic, but his circumstances propensified his evil nature, not to mention the allure and power that magic added to the situation. There are many times he could have turned back and stopped, but his callous disregard for life leads me to believe that no matter what, he would turn out evil. I have to say, Laura was given the short end of the stick this week, with the world being so PC, it's hard to find a court case or argument where a person's environment is not brought up as a factor. It is hard to argue that black and white, good and evil side of the nature versus nurture argument. Kudos for doing such a good job, Laura. Jamie, I think, though, just enjoys playing devil's advocate to any argument. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness he has the intellect and intelligence, not to mention an amazing accent that are extremely persuasive. Who knew listening to MuggleCast could be entertaining and intellectually stimulating Aww. at the same time? <laughs> well, you see, here, here's
2: the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, Jamie, actually, I don't think
1: you you, were, you really weren't playing devil's advocate, were you? Well, no, I was playing devil's advocate. Uh, you know, I didn't believe all of the stuff I was saying, but I do think that you can't ignore, <laughs> you know, nurture. Oh, and, and adding one more thing to that, she says that uh, the allure of magic, you know, uh, is huge, and it's true that for someone like him, who who didn't grow up in a magical environment, so he thought he he was a muggle, the allure is even greater. I mean, if we learn magic now, we'd be drawn to it more so than if than if it's just a normal part of your life. You know, so that's one more thing. Well, just, guys, uh, if rebuttal if
4: if we fail to be entertaining and intellectually stimulating the first, you know, sixty three times, we it's have episode sixty four. Yeah. So that's 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 good news. I'm happy. Yeah, we got a lot so, of mixed
0: feedback cool. about uh, that discussion last week. Some people really, really, really enjoyed it. And some people didn't enjoy didn't. it. Yeah, so. I mean, but that's the way it goes every week, pretty much. So, yeah, uh, you know, we try to mix it up. We we can't be talking about, you know. The Horcruxes for the week. millionth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think episode
2: yeah, 73 awesome. 100 should be the Horcrux shows. <laughs> <laughs> the Horcrux series. Get yeah. people so
0: sick of it that they'll never even email yeah. us about it again. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to our interview, we are going to talk about uh, the latest Order of the Phoenix developments because there have been a lot of them. Uh, we talked about the trailer a little bit last week, teaser poster, but uh, at that point, we didn't really have it in a uh, good quality. Uh, Version online. So did Yahoo
2: release a high def version? Yes, they did. And so, what do you guys think of it? Has anything changed for you now that you've had a chance to watch the trailer a lot of times?
1: No, it's the same. It's just in higher definition. No, I know this. (laughs) I know this.
2: But there, you'll pick more. You'll pick up more on the subtle nuances of things in the in the trailer. The more times you see it, which is what like when
0: I um when I first saw it on YouTube. Uh, the picture was kind of dark, and you couldn't make out most of it. But then, when you when you see it in high def, you see every single yeah, shot, yeah. and uh, you see Bellatrix, which was really cool. But uh, Eric and Micah, you guys weren't on the show last week. What did What did you guys think of the trailer?
4: I liked it. It was completely. It was really short. It didn't seem like fifty seven seconds uh, when I first saw it in the theater. That's because it I was had... fifty four. Okay. Then that. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 okay, that's solved. Okay, so it's fifty-four seconds. It, didn't seem like it flew by really fast. was the time was spent on the fading in of the logo. Uh, sorry, the logo. Um, so you know, serious black looks nice. Just oh. want to say serious black looks looks very nice. Incontrovertible. That's a new word for Michael Gambon. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> that's like, that's like a word. <laughs> that is
5: weird. I have to he say says that. I've never been a fan of Michael Gambon, but uh, he's sort of grown on me since Goblet of Fire. Hold on, so, though. Don't
2: comment job. about him in the whole little scene where he says the evidence that Vold- Lord Voldemort is back is incontrovertible. I don't know; he just seems too hardcore for me. Like, but Dumbledore is hardcore. I think Dumbledore is supposed to be about, like, he's supposed to be stern, you know. But he's not supposed to be like, ah, angry-type Dumbledore. I think
1: it's just supposed no, to be is, more he is, though. Evil. At some points, he's supposed to be angry. He's supposed no, to I'm be... Not that angry. I think he's... Of course he is. The power. He's supposed to be radial. cool. He's supposed to be cool, calm, and collected. That's yeah, Dumbledore. Yeah, th- there's,
4: there's a dignified kind of I will hurt you type thing to Dumbledore. Um... To clarify what I was saying earlier, it's not when he says "I am not weak," Harry. Um, there's a scene; it's like twenty six minutes in or twenty six seconds in. Okay, kind of you I saw wish. a different trailer than I did. <laughs> no, it's 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 the same trailer. Twenty six seconds in, he's it's right after Dumbledore says uh, "incontrovertible" and goes to this other scene, kind of panoramic, kind of shot of Harry, and he looks like he did in the uh, second Triwizard task with. A, or or something. There's something not right about the lighting of that scene. It just makes him look a little weird, like he doesn't have any hair over his forehead or anything. It's kind of just a particularly weirdly dressed Harry. Um, The the rest of the trailer looks fine. Or what do you think? Overall,
5: I liked it. I agreed. Jamie said last week, I think, that that whole scene with Snape, either it's going to go terribly, terribly right or terribly, terribly wrong. Um, The shot from it, though, seemed as if they did a good job with it, but Actually, something I had a question about was – I paused it about 28 seconds in and it's right after – or actually right before the whole scene with Harry and Snape and it looks like Voldemort is shooting something out of his wand and then if you pause it, there's a picture <laughs> of a woman in there. <laughs> no, it's really weird. There's a WB shield in the, in the bottom right-hand corner. Yeah. And there's a picture of a woman, but it's not a real woman. And I don't know
0: where exactly this is being shot. See, I mean, hmm. I wish I could see this, but, I mean, most of the visual effects aren't done yet. And, like, the stuff yeah. for the trailer, I'm sure they're going to tweak more. Like, the, I, I've said this last week, the pendulum behind Umbridge looks terribly fake. And here's my thing. I, I thought about this earlier today. The, the owls are obviously in because of... uh what we see in the trailer. I assume that still means they're in. I mean, they could still cut them. but um, Now, if something like that is in, that doesn't seem like a very big plot that really deserves a spot in the movie. And it seems like Dobby would be a more welcomed uh, plot. Addition? Yeah, rather than the, the owls.
2: But the, the, uh, the, the house elves are going to be
1: much more costly. Well, I don't um, know. It's an expensive thing, the Owls. They've got to do all this stuff in front of Professor Tofty, and you have to, you know. Right, but um, I doubt it's not, but it's
2: not as expensive. When, uh, I think it was Newell said at the premiere last last November, which I was at. I'm, I'm <laughs> Newell said at the premiere <laughs> that, uh, what exactly did he say? He said that every time the house elves set up on screen, it's literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, right, yeah. So that's mm. probably why. I mean, you know, they only have a $320 million budget. I mean, there's, yeah, exactly. It must they be can't. tough.
5: <laughs> With Goblet of Fire, you have a whole storyline there which includes – was it Winky in the beginning? And I think they really changed the whole storyline around yeah. just so she didn't have to be in there. Oh, yeah, whereas, I did. don't know if, if adding Dobby in really here would be that much of a big of a deal for them whereas before in Goblet of Fire would cost quite a lot of money. Wasn't Winky? Winky was the whole reason, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they completely cut her out. Yeah, that's
0: screwed up. But I
5: expensive. mean, like, cre-
0: Creature's definitely in it, so they're not uh, completely cutting out house elves. It's not like they're,
4: you know, that department is shut down for this film. That was my problem with it is, you know, as I mentioned before, the tie-ins, the very strict, you know, limited tie-ins between movies that I'd like to see, such as Dobby coming back. Um, just because, you know, every director's done their own thing. The only thing that stayed the same is the actors, pretty much. Um, you know, so I, I, I want to see house elves again because then it would kind of, I don't know, link the, link the films together. I don't know if they're supposed to be linked, but they say Harry Potter one, and Harry Potter two and year three in my DVD collection. So, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> what, what, yeah, yeah the together. Together. DVDs, the movies, they, yeah. there's no connections between the films except for the actors. Everything else changes. Well, because it's, it's a new I mean, director. Well, I mean, you know, they do have to change.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, it's mean, a different like, film. Yeah. that's it. <laughs> Well, I
4: understand, but each book has you know links back and forth, and they cut out all the ties to previous films. It's like, okay, Chris Columbus did the Dobby thing, therefore we can never do the Dobby thing again.
1: Well, actually, if you read sort of Prisoner of Azkaban, it'll say like they'll be talking about Quidditch, and Joe will say Quidditch is a game you know played by blah 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 with blah 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 balls stuff like that, uh, and she'll say that in the third book, but then come book four book five and book six, she won't offer sort of, you know, previous bits of it, I- information to refresh your memory. I think she, she, she's assuming that after you get that far, you're, you know, she's not going to need mm-hmm. to remember what, what what Quidditch is and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, she still makes a couple of references.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, she, does. she does do some refreshing a bit, like in the early chapters especially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about the what about the HBO On Demand? That thing was pretty cool. That
0: was intense.
2: What, yeah, that was what are you guys' thoughts good.
0: about it? It, it What was that, like three minutes long? It was a good three-minute look at um, uh, behind-the-scenes
1: filming and some interviews with the actors. I really liked it. So people, the fans loved it. Imelda Staunton's uh, acting as well. It was cringeworthy in a good way. It was, you know, exa- exactly how uh, Umbridge is supposed to act, I think. She's not the, fat uh, enough. Know, su- no, 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 you're right, she isn't. But the sort of sweetness and disgusting... You know, um, pleasure in her, her voice came out. Yeah, it's it's awfully good, basically. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think she did a good job. But something that um
2: that kind of ir- irked me was uh, like, it didn't really irk me, but um, to me, like Dan Radcliffe, I mean, he doesn't he does a good job as Harry, but he just doesn't seem to uh, personify what a leader is. You know what I mean? He doesn't like seem to like. I couldn't see him leading a bunch of his peers, like Daniel Radcliffe. I know Harry can, but I couldn't see Daniel Radcliffe really get into that role. I don't know. What, what do you guys think?
0: Are you referring to something in the HBO video?
2: Yeah, when like when was, they, tar- when they, they, they start talking Neville. about him. They start talking about him uh, teaching. You know, and, like, yeah. I was just thinking was- about how they're going to do that because he doesn't seem like the the
4: leader type. Are you saying he's like, oh, kind of like a one-sided actor, where he's better at portraying the whole, you know, everybody hates me kind of Harry? Yeah, as opposed yeah. To the, yeah. I kind of see where you're coming with that. So I
2: just don't know how well he's going to be able to portray
4: the if if he Go does get it in him. like a defiant kind of way like as seen in the trailer where he's like you know Voldemort is is trying to get me i must stop him uh, if if he portrays it kind of like um in chamber of secrets the trailer uh, when lucius malfoy says that thing about harry always being around to save the day he says don't worry i will be that You're kind of defiant line, but, yeah. kind of thing yeah. <laughs> he's kind he's kind of got that um going for him. i, I think we just have to see more uh, you know, like in the trailer there.
2: like uh, part of it seems sort of lame like when he says if Voldemort's organizing you know, army, let's fight or whatever. <laughs> yeah, let's fight. Yeah, yeah.
4: That's what I was talking about. He says, "Let's um, fight."
2: And well, I don't know. I was just thinking, like occasionally, like it seems like every movie they give him a line that's completely ridiculous, like t- totally lame. Like in Goblet of Fire, it was, "I love magic." You know? No, that was
4: not a ridiculous line. That was a- <laughs>
2: yes, yeah, it, it was. Yeah. It was a. <laughs> Wait, he says what? I love magic. He walks. He walks into the tent in and he sees how big it is, yeah. and he says, "Oh yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> magic." <laughs>
1: How many yeah. how many buckets do you guys use? Do you, uh, Harry? After do that. You? It yeah. was atrocious. Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, that stood out for me in this HBO special where um, he's showing Neville uh, how to cast some spell. Um, and he just seemed it stood out because it just seemed different for him. It didn't seem like his normal portrayal of Harry.
1: But it is different, of course. Him leading is a is a oh, new is. thing for him. He couldn't believe it when, like you know, they wanted him to teach them. So it's like, and and it says in the book that you know he's um that it was extremely weird to see people f- doing what he says, you know, following his orders. So it, it it's kind of good if Dan isn't really too sure how to portray him because that'll give into the character, which is a good thing. Well, okay, is just me or is Matt
2: Lewis like really really good? Like, I think oh, he's he good. like he fits like what I've always seen as Neville, you know. He really yeah. fits that character. He definitely really pulls well. off the
0: the, the the nervous Neville that yeah is always in the books. Well, and especially some, in Goblet of Fire. Like based it.
2: off how he did in Goblet of Fire, I mean, those people are expecting pretty great things uh, in Order of the Phoenix.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and back to Dan. I think he's got enough experience under his belt to change up his his uh, how he's portraying Harry with. Um, with those scenes, the Dumbledore exactly, scenes.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So actually, has he had his West End debut at the Equus?
1: No, he That's hasn't. February. I think That's yeah. February. Oh, Jamie, you're gonna go see? Oh yeah, I probably will go and see it. To be honest. I
0: was telling Jamie we, we should uh, have him buy a ticket, charge his cover a of of it
1: for and then yeah, exactly, do like a review. I'll do that. Will you pay for? For my hotel and spending money as well. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> How much are tickets? They're, they're like a hundred bucks, I think.
0: Um, for the good seats, yeah. We saw, we also saw a lot of sad pictures this week. Azkaban prison, I think that was probably one of the biggest ones. I was reading through the comments on Mongnet. People not too happy about Azkaban, uh, where it's placed, because uh, some people are upset that WB is really changing things up uh, with with Azkaban specifically. Because it is on a waterfall, yeah, on I a know. cliff.
1: That's, the thing is, it's that's that is the kind of strange. thing where, you know, th- the movies, they have a creative license to change stuff, but it just seems so much easier to put it on a rock where it will A, still look awesome, and they know they'll please people, whereas if they put it on a on, on a waterfall, they risk alienating some people, and it will look awesome, but they sort of... Are losing by doing it you know
5: but but why why does that bother people because because it it's seems like such a books, small people thing.
0: are really hardcore about some things staying true
5: to the well books. i mean but then going back to goblet of fire they completely rewrote the entire plot in order to fit it in two and a half hours yeah, so, yeah and if you're worried yeah. about i see something like prisoner like ask itself being on a waterfall i don't see that as being as big of a deal
4: it just lies in what people want to see. Is 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 almost like the, the one of the benefits of the movies uh, is to it, you know, and movies don't replace what your what your book eye is seeing, but they are a nice visual. I uh, I don't want to say assurance, but movies are fun to watch, and you get to see the favorite part of your books, uh, you know, on the on the silver screen or whatever, and that's what I think. A lot of people like now the thing with rewriting Gobble to Fire. I mean, yeah, it would have been cool to see Winky, but you still got to see the tasks the way they rewrote it. It was a visually pleasing film, not just in general, but for people who had seen all this stuff in their eyes, you know, in, in their mind's eye, in, while reading the books. Now the thing with Azkaban, I mean, you you want you want to be terrified of it. You you, you want to imagine what it would be like uh, languishing there for 15, 16 years. Um, before being let out and stuff. So so this whole waterfall thing is actually a big deal.
0: I think they're trying to make it look like um that there's no way of escaping. Yeah, exactly, to, to, They're exactly ignoring they're the fence. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it, it's just it's a terrible but place. You there's the no problem way you can with, get out. The, the problem with it is that place is actually uh you know, inescapable and if it's on an island then you can swim across. If you fall out of that thing onto the waterfall and you go all the way down it looks like a Damn big waterfall! You're going to die. So there's the problem of Sirius's uh, escape from there. You know, dogs can swim, but they can't survive waterfall falls. <laughs> yeah, right that's on. true. So there's um, no
4: spell that could allow you know a buffer. Less he did on, like, though. Well, NRA. he was
2: so weak, he probably couldn't cast. As oh, well. um, I'm sure there is, but it's still very difficult. <laughs> Something yeah. interesting about um, uh, like you know, this movie is not going to be a movie for the purists because think about no, it, it logically. Not. Movie one, a three hundred like eight page book is put into a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Movie four, a 735-page book, is put into a two-and-a-half-hour movie. A, an 870-page book, they're going to put into a two-and-a-half-hour movie, so you realize they're going to have to keep cutting stuff. So yeah, if that mean. upsets you, then I mean, don't even bother seeing the movie, because
5: you're going to walk out <laughs> And absolutely, inferior. but Pe- and did you say people just think they- that Azkaban what was just in the paper? Isn't it just shown in the paper? Well, they
0: they have a newspaper that that picture appears, and I don't know for sure if it actually appears in the film or not. Um, they might
1: just do a flyby.
0: Yeah, I mean that set or not the set the um, the the fly the Azkaban itself was actually designed by Stuart Craig. So I mean they're, they they got to use it for for something worthy. Of his time, yeah. But anyway, I mean, it, it would just seem like a waste if they just use it on a newspaper cover, yeah. Cause that's where it was. Here's another thing that's been getting fans: uh, a picture got out of Dan's, uh, well, on Harry's hand, where he's inscribing, oh, 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 oh. Uh, "I will not break, I will not break rules." Was that a gorilla? <laughs> yeah, <is laughs> a gorilla in here. Um, when uh, in the books it
1: says, "I must not tell lies." Uh, you know what's up with this, Jamie? uh well uh i i was thinking about this actually and there's a huge difference between i must not break the rules and i must not tell lies because obviously if it says i must not tell lies he's uh it's like a double lie because he's he he's lying that he's told lies you know and also uh it it just sort of shows it it sort of has a sort of matilda-esque type thing in that it shows that Adults are always right if he puts, I must not tell lies, that because he's a child, he's automatically wrong. And throughout the books, there's always been this whole, you know, that uh, age is foolish if it underestimates youth and that kind of thing. So saying I must not break the rules doesn't uh, automatically mean he's wrong. And it comes back to what we were saying last week about incorrect and correct versus wrong and right. And that if he says I must not tell lies, then it means, you know, that he's he's wrong and incorrect, but if he says, I must not break the rules, then he's only incorrect insofar as he's broken the rules of the adults, um, which aren't aren't, uh, automatically right. They're just rules that have been put up by them.
0: But you really think that's why they... they Oh, completely.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I really do think so. It seems like
0: such an easy thing to stay true to the... um, books but then again that that is an interesting but,
1: explanation. but the movies the movies are completely different to the books in that the books you know it's joe's creative license and even though her editors can tell her you know don't put this in because i really don't think you should it's a bad idea then warner brothers has, has i don't want to say a bigger audience but a more widespread audience and if, and if one parent talks to, a, to another parent and says don't take your child here because it you know does something wrong then like that so they have to stay extremely politically correct. And having, you know, I Must Not Tell Lies is that kind of thing. And it, and it's easier for them to change it j- just to make sure than to stay true to the books. And also, um, talking about Azkaban, you know, they they aren't supremely concerned if they don't stay completely true to the books. So I think this is just one of those things where they've been advised to do it. So, you know.
0: That is a very interesting take on it.
1: Well, well, one question. What do you guys think? Like, you know how, Jamie, you're talking
2: about, like, the editing stuff, like J.K. Rowling's creative license. Do yeah. you think if um, the like her editors come back to her and they say we don't think you should put this in, right? Do you think she has the final say since
1: she's been doing this I so think, long? I yeah. think she has. She does, but she's not stupid, and people know the market better than she does. You know, she knows Harry Potter the best, but people know the children's market and what people accept and won't accept. You know more than her. So if if somebody says that you really cannot put this in, you know, don't do it. I bet she listens more than we'd think. You know,
5: the one thing I was going to say about the hands, though, I think the fans' biggest concern was the one of the underlying themes of Order of the Phoenix was that nobody believed what Harry had to say, and so the whole "I will not tell lies" had a bigger implication for the storyline than just writing on his hand. That is very true, yeah.
4: But that's also, I guess, the expense of making a movie from a book. Um, They have to cut some of the inner underlying themes. And, you know, I Must Not Tell Lies might sound cool, but I don't think given the movie, given the scenes in the movie, which we haven't seen yet, I don't think that, you know, it would be able to be conveyed as, as meaning the same thing. I must not tell lies is obviously very, very heavily political, very heavily, you know, umbrage and very heavily under, you know, with that theme of everybody not believing Harry. I will not break rules is kind of the substitute line where it's like, okay, we're making a movie. It's it's much shorter. We have a lot less time to show kind of this this in-depth, you know, political... Yeah, it, it, um, a dictatorship that's But when happening. I think
5: of that, like I think of The Simpsons and Bart Simpson writing on the board, I will not break the rules at the beginning of every y- show. Yeah, and,
4: and sometimes it changes. That's what I
5: think. Yeah, so grow up.
2: Ben, ben, what do you think of grow up? I, I think he looks pretty cool. I mean, I, I we, haven't, we haven't heard him speak or anything, so, or try to speak, but I don't know. I think he'll be all right. I don't really have any like special comments on it, like anything that really,
0: you know, made me mad or anything. Well I I think they did a good job uh making him uh, putting him into the movie like visually how he looks.
4: There's a storyboard image right here of Grop in comparison in size to Harry yeah. and Hagrid and I think that's actually quite cool. Um it'll be interesting how they fit him into the forest. Um <laughs> yeah. I mean not that the forest is small. I mean, you know, by any purposes it's not uh but it, it'll just be really interesting especially cuz he's like I, I don't know, his feet are huge, and I don't know. It'll be cool. It'll be fun to see. Um, Then there's also this kind of, I don't want to say it's wax, because it's not, some other material, just like uh, model. Is that an actual, like, statue of Grop here that we're looking at? It's, uh, a, it's, it's a model, kind
0: of, yeah. I mean... Kind of like a, yeah.
4: I was wondering what they're going to do with it, because well, he's going to be I computer th- animated
0: anyway, so eBay.
4: Think, well, a lot of it's eBay, yeah, besides eBay. Um, or charities, they, they usually build statue models to get uh, motion capture animation. Like they have to build a full scale model so that they can actually then scan it uh, three dimensionally right oh, their computer. Right, right, right. So they have to do that. Um, but I was going to say, and I think I did say over over top of what Ben was going to say, uh, that he looks like the Hulk with a beer belly. Um, in in this particular statue. Good
5: so. point. Did we actually see a scene in HBO? With Hagrid pretending to talk to him.
0: Um. Yeah, there was one shot of Hagrid, yeah, in the forest, yeah. Yeah, but
5: there wasn't any image of Grop there.
0: No, I don't think so, yeah. Um. And uh, jumping back to the HBO special, uh, we got our first look at Ivana performing. Uh, it was two words, but uh, she goes, the Thestrals! I can't even do it. Her, her voice is so high, it's, <laughs> the Thestrals!
5: Uh, what do you? Perhaps I should use my chipmunk voice.
0: What do you guys think of uh, Ivana? And keep in mind, keep it good because she listens to the show. So
4: I think I think it's good. I think we obviously need to see a lot more of her. But everybody who was on the set, everybody who has seen her, said she is Luna. Um. So I th- I think I'm going to continue believing them. A lot of people saw this and they're giving up all hope and saying, you know, that's not my Luna at all. I think some of the things with even even Alan Rickman as Snape and things, um, we had to give a little bit of allowances of our own minds, eye, the, the, the very personal, what we see as their character, and just give into it and see it's a little bit different, but still the same character in the movies being portrayed. Yeah. And, you know, two words, why is everybody basing everything on Luna, uh, on Ivana, on, on two words? I I don't think that's fair at all. I think we need to see a lot more, and I'm interested to see a lot more.
0: She actually told me that Whenever we talk about her on the podcast, she actually fast-forwards through it because she can't stand hearing about herself. Well,
5: then let's continue. Let's let's continue that then. No. No, Well, Joe said she was perfect, so if Joe thinks that she's perfect, then that's pretty much the final decision.
0: All right, so we are going to play a special interview now that Kevin and I conducted with the two producers of the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix video game. Here it is now. Hi, everyone. I'm now joined with Kevin. Hello. Kevin, we haven't seen you in a while.
1: Yeah, no kidding. It's
0: good to hear from you again. And we are here with two very special people from EA. Their names are Justin and Matt. Hey, guys. Hi, hi, yeah. You guys work on the Order of the Phoenix video game at Electronic Arts over in London, correct?
6: That's right. We have the pleasure of working on the Harry Potter franchise, and we have done since uh, Goblet of Fire. Yeah, and then um, for
7: me, I worked on the ice so I way back on Prisoner of Azkaban. And I worked
6: on the, the GPA Prisoner of Azkaban title. Yeah, as well. well, I worked on Quidditch. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know... know. <laughs> e- e-
0: everyone's impressed, everyone's impressed. <laughs> 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 okay. But,
7: yeah, we work on Harry Potter, which is uh, obviously fantastic. So. Yeah.
0: Can you tell us about your jobs at EA? What exactly you guys do with the games?
7: Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm
6: a producer on the title. And that kind of means... What I try and do is find out what people want from the game, find out like, you know, from fans like yourselves, find out from the kids buying the game, what it is they're after, and then try and make, make sure that the designs and make sure the audio
7: and the art and everything really fits what people are after. Yeah, m- m- my role on the project is uh, primarily to put the design together and uh, work on... You know what it is that you actually do within the game, and uh, work on you know making sure that we get all of the Harry Potter fiction in there, and, and really deliver that Harry Potter experience that you know I as a fan want to get to, and I know you guys do. So, yes,
0: let's
7: That's go. That's cool. um,
8: now, how long have you guys been working at EA?
7: I've been working at
6: EA probably since uh, 2000, so nearly six six or so years, um, and I've been a producer virtually all of that time.
7: Yeah, my I've been uh, my goodness, seven and a half years, and um, yeah, most of that time I've been a, a game director, uh, which is essentially uh, running the design for for the projects.
0: Okay, now Matt, was it you who was on the Order of the Phoenix set when uh, in late September? It was. It was. Yeah, was oh it? the next next question I got for you, <laughs> Well, I know your answer, which is you guys big fans of the uh, books and movies. I know you yeah, are. absolutely. I mean, I don't
6: think we could do this job if we weren't. I mean, we, we have to live the, the fiction day by day, year on year. I mean, you know, Matt absolutely trolls the fiction
7: day by day. Uh, I think you've seen the movies virtually every day this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 the people on the uh, team, including the artists, come to me and ask me uh, all sorts of obscure questions. Uh, I've been trying to get them to, to build the broom cupboard. Um, that Harry drags Crab and Goyle into in Chamber of Secrets, and it's uh, identifying which door it is in the entrance hall that that room cupboard is in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I watch rather too much.
0: Yeah, well, you, it's great that you know, there's there's dedicated fans of the the books and the movies working on this game. I know the fans really appreciate that.
6: Absolutely with this, and I think the direction for this game, you know above all the others we've done, is really really to get back to the book and the movies and be just as pure to them as possible. I and mean, I know Matt for sure has been through every member of the d a to find their whole backstories, whether there's three lines written about them in the book or whether there's twenty five or
7: you know whole whole books written about them It's just finding anything we can about these guys
0: right trying to make
6: gameplay out of that rather than invent something first and then you know kind of fit the fiction around it. We're starting with the fiction first and then inventing gameplay around that.
0: hmm I see. I mean, no, it, cool. it, it's a completely
6: different approach and it's a lot more detail. It does require that our guys, our designers, are spending loads of time in the books and the movies to get the information we need. Right. Just so we can get the things that you guys will suddenly spot in the game as you're going through and go, oh, wow, you put that in. And that's yeah. what we really want to get. We want to get that kind of response
7: this year. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that, that direction for the design team has been very much... You know, this year we're not building a game and putting Harry Potter on it it's about taking Harry Potter and getting a game from it mm. uh, fiction hundred percent leads the game
0: right we That's saw great. we saw a preview of the video game uh, on the set back in late September and it really I mean the things you guys have done uh, with the game in comparison to the other ones a big step forward.
6: And you want to see it now. You want to see the grand staircase. Oh, I can't
0: imagine. <laughs> it was, yeah, speaking, yeah.
7: Speak- uh, uh, first of all, thanks very much for the feedback. That's fantastic because uh, I, I, I was so nervous going and standing in front of fans. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, Oh, my God, what are these guys going to think? <laughs> well, but, you, know, uh, you guys were wonderful and gave us uh, some, some great feedback on the day, and, and, and we'd be getting more as we've gone. Uh, but honestly, the new version. I'm, uh, one of your questions <laughs> is, uh, is relating to what we're what we most proud of, but you yeah. know, so many yeah. things this time around, and, and the Grand Staircase went in uh, a few days ago, and oh my goodness.
0: Oh, well. well
7: guys, I hope we're going to be blown away by it. Yeah,
0: uh, I know we will. Um, now, a few of our uh, listeners had called in a few weeks ago with some questions for you guys, and we have them ready for you guys now. Cool. So, Kevin?
8: Sure. Um, I'm just going to read the first question for you guys. Um, how is the release of the Wii mote, as they're calling it, going to affect the gameplay aspects of the game? And how are these new Wii-specific features going to impact the other consoles?
6: So what we've done this year, actually, we, we kind of preempted the Wii on all, all platforms. We've gone for um, a new way of casting it and selecting magic this year. I'm not going to talk too much about it in detail, but to suffice to say we don't want this kind of menu-driven selection or the context-sensitive selection of Goblet of Fire that we had. We're really looking to have the player cast magic. Now, obviously, with the Wii, we've got a real opportunity with the Wii mote because it can behave just like a wand. So we really want to pursue putting you and your game character with this wand in your hand and be able to cast magic that way. So the game will be viewed from a different perspective, and it will play slightly differently uh, based on the fact you will be able to use your remote as a wand. Um, i say I'm not going to go into too many details now because we're still refining those details, but definitely very excited about doing uh, Harry Potter on Wii.
0: Cool. Now, uh, next question we have here. What part of any of the Harry Potter games are you guys, the designers, the most proud of?
7: I think... um, I think the way we've dealt with this project's uh, uh the way we're sort of taking it uh, from the fans' perspective and uh, working with the fiction first and putting the design in second is is you know probably the biggest single thing we could choose as designers to be proud of because it's incredibly hard to do it that way round I mean looking at something like the invisibility Club, you can imagine you know. Invisibility Cloak, absolutely, as a fan, I want to have a go in the Invisibility Cloak. It's so awesome. (laughs) But uh, as a designer, you know, we're giving the player the ability to wander around the castle um, uh, and have people uh, not be able to see them. That presents a whole bunch of new challenges. So I think the approach is something I'm hugely proud of. But then there's so many things, I mean... The Gryffindor Common Room, which you guys saw, I, I'm so proud of that because it's one of the things that you know, the team works so hard to get done. And, and taking something like a film set and transforming it into a game is that it requires a, a, a lot of thought process and we have to approach it quite differently to how you would approach a standard game. So I think um, you know, what we're doing with, with this, this year and, and taking the fiction uh, and how we're translating that is probably the thing that I, I'm, I'm most proud of.
6: I definitely. I mean, we, we started from,
7: you know,
6: A, the fiction, but B, like the, blue, the blueprints um, of the castle. We've been working quite hard with the movie people to try and get the, you know, de facto Hogwarts. And in the past, we've designed Hogwarts almost around gameplay, you know, how, how our camera system works, how our AI system works. This time, we've actually built from blueprints. And, it, you know, like Matt said, it presents so many design challenges. So to make a fun game building from a real-world set... It's actually quite a challenge, and I think we've really kind of pulled it off. And I think also, you know, bringing that to life with magic. I mean, you guys said you've seen the demo. There were sort of various discoverable items, enchanted items in the world that you can discover with magic. Yeah. Just having those things in and the wizard games and the the fictional precedents for the kind of all the missions we're putting in, really just trying to bring Hogwarts to life is, is really what we're excited about. And it's so different to the games you've seen before. Cool.
8: Okay. Um, Now, going back a little to the Wii, how many different console versions will there be, and what are going to be the slight differences between each?
6: So what we've done this year, we've kind of got... We've got a PS2, we've got our PC, we've got our Xbox 360, we've got our PS3, we've got PSP, GBA, and and NDS, uh, sort of Nintendo DS. And what we've tried to do is kind of... Take uh, the, the broad design, the story, the narrative arc, but give each of those platforms something slightly unique. Kind of what we're, we're calling it in-house, a little bit of a twist for each of those platforms. Because what we realize is each of those platforms are in the hands of different people. Um, you know, people playing PSPs aren't necessarily people playing MDSs right. and so forth. So what we've tried to do is kind of skew the gameplay just a little bit so that those people playing those consoles. Get something that's designed for that console. So, you know, with the DS, for example, it's got the stylus. We're maximizing the two screens. All the gameplay is centered around interaction through the stylus. Stylus is your wand in this case. Um, But again, the the gameplay might be a bit more puzzle-oriented for the the DS, because those kind of people prefer, you know, puzzle-oriented gaming. And the sorts of games that are coming out on the DS are more in that fashion. Whereas you might go with a PSP, it's a bit more hardcore older boys, it might be something slightly different. And again, with the Wii Mote and the Wii, it's all about the controller. We're trying to make it, you know, so you're casting spells that you feel you're really kind of using the wand with the Wii Mote. So we're just trying to skew them individually. The core game stays the same in terms of telling the same story. You know, we're doing the same things. It's still all about Hogwarts and the enchanted Hogwarts, but we're just trying to do one or two little things on each platform that's unique.
0: Right. I I was actually using a Wii up in New York City last week, and I was playing a tennis game, and all I could think about when I was playing that was how how cool it's going to be to use that we with a with a as a wand. So
7: yeah, we saw it as well, and uh, I've I played the same tennis game, and you know, as soon as you pick it up, you're like, yeah, oh yeah. my god, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this, this controller, is, you know, it's like Nintendo sort of went. How would we make the the, the the ultimate Harry Potter game? We put a wand in your hand. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's fantastic. I was I was blown away by it. It's yeah, great console.
0: It's really cool. Uh, Could you give us a brief description about what we can expect uh, from Order of the Phoenix? For example, is it a free ro- roamer like uh Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, and Prisoner of Azkaban, or will it have defined levels? And how are the objectives laid out? and also should we expect any new gameplay elements that weren't previously available in other games?
6: I would say that this game is is probably um, taking the best bits of the games you mentioned, but it's more open, if anything. So we kind of have um, an open roamable Hogwarts, but we're filling it with kind of side quests, portrait quests, mini-games, enchanted items for you to discover, as well as the narrative mission. I think what we've really learned is people have been really wanting Hogwarts as the biggest source of feedback we've had for the last couple of years. You know, they really want to explore Hogwarts and sort of see the characters they know and love um, and kind of do the things that the, that the guys do in the, the books and in the films. So we've put that really at the centre of what we're trying to do this year. And part of that is magic. Um, you know, and We've kind of done spell casting in the past, but what we're trying to do is really bring the world to life with magic. Yeah, you know, we, we've been watching the films and sort of looking at things like, you know, when you see the, the chairs stack themselves in the leaky cauldron. You know, that's magic in the Harry Potter world. It's not necessarily big uh, kind of spell casting. So for us, I, I guess the difference this year is we've got this open roaming Hogwarts that you can either choose to do the narrative missions, and even in, with that, there's probably several, you know, narrative missions open at any one time, particularly when you're sort of trying to recruit the DA and you're exploring Hogwarts. But we've also given you side missions you can pick up, you know, doing stuff with the portraits and the ghosts, you know, really bringing those kind of lively elements in. And then there's this discovery element. You can go around Hogwarts and you can find all the little enchanted items that you can interact with with your
7: magic. Yeah. I mean, it's really, you know, this time around, we, we, we've kept the sort of big moments that are from the fiction and uh, with, with things like Grimmauld Place will we'll be there for you to go in and... Uh, meet Sirius and, and, and spend some time with him um, and we'll have the Ministry of Magic uh, at the end and of course there's the whole set of events in Hogwarts with Umbridge and uh, we really want awesome. to sort of you know, make sure that that's all the fictions covered in that um, but we want to go beyond that as well um, so we've really got to expand Hogwarts out a lot more uh, so uh, I mean uh, we, we showed uh, you guys the, the, the common room and uh, in there, we, we have things like the snitch, uh, which is, you know, from from one of the the, the, the references in the book, uh, with with uh, Harry when he when he gets uh, he's so angry after uh, Umbridge's. Um, Banding from Quidditch, that he goes up there and uh, he realizes he's still got the Snitch in his hand and it's floating around the common room with uh, with uh, trying to grab it. Uh, you know, we, we've tried to grab all of that and, and also put that in there for you to to discover. So going around Hogwarts, you've kind of got you know the the main narrative game, but you've got all of this extra stuff in there, which is all about finding bits of the fiction. You know, talking to the portraits, seeing see what they know and, uh, uh, you know, you might come across McGonagall shouting at uh, uh, Umbridge in a corridor and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, as fans we can all go, oh, man, I remember that bit, that's awesome. And I've now seen (laughs) that myself. Um, So it it really is sort of about making that Hogwarts experience really, really rich. I mean, I I think you'll be able to spend uh, as as much time, uh, if not more time, just walking around Hogwarts trying to find everything. Um, as you do, just going down the main mission uh, path, and which is, you know, quite huge as well, because uh, we've got all of the DA members in there, and then you've got to spend time uh, trying to uh, undermine Umbridge. So. Uh, you know, with, with, with a couple of extra characters in there to play, like uh, you get a moment with Fred and George, who rock. Oh, cool. My <laughs> favourite characters. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I couldn't
0: help myself. Fred and George. I, you oh. know, you know, I can see that big smile of yours from across the Atlantic
7: Ocean. I can just put it in my head. <laughs> I must admit, the uh, uh, yeah, I keep keep seeing some some of the stuff coming through, and we we we've just been working on the character models for Fred and Joyce and I'm so excited uh, I <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> cool. to, to to be controlling these guys and, and wandering around with them. Obviously, everybody's got favourite characters, and we're we're trying to put loads of them in there. So uh, we're we're trying to to do almost all the DA, um, and we've we've covered uh, a lot of the the actual characters, and you get your moment with Sirius, awesome. Oh, cool. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited, about it. The game should be much more open, and, and as fans, we should be able to spend, uh, you know, as much time just... It's not directed, so if I want to go off and just spend time looking around the castle and finding, uh, you know, all the students having a game of wizard chess with people, I'll be able to do that, so... And join in. And join in, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get to play wizard chess, so... Uh, oh, wow. And, and gobstones and wizard snaps, so... And um, we, we've got all of these things in there, and little tournaments and things to find out. And hopefully, you know, all, the, all these little things that are touched on in the fiction, we get to expand out, and, and, and as fans, we get to experience that. And, and there's what? classes as well.
6: Yeah, you cannot <laughs> mention the classes. You can go in and do classes. You can make your own potions and uh, go to charms and transfiguration wow. and herbology. Think, but, well,
8: it's,
0: it's really amazing.
8: Yeah. yeah, I have to say... Okay. I have to say I'm pretty glad to find out that it's a free-roaming game because we must have gotten that question about a hundred (laughs) times. You don't understand how many voicemails ask that specific question.
6: It's funny because, I mean, you know, so many kids are playing open-world games now. It's just, you know, we have to do that. It's it's what people expect, so, you know, we'd be silly not to. And I think Hogwarts lends itself to being open. It's such a great world. You know, we'd love to build more. Yeah, we just sort of limited it into what we can build, and um, I think we're doing Hogwarts a great degree of justice. It's a real focus for this product.
3: Cool.
8: Yeah, that's cool. Um, now, is there going to be anything in the games concerning acclimancy?
7: Oh, of course <laughs> there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just, 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 you know, fantastic. The electricity between Harry and, uh, and Snape is just... You know, I, I read all that stuff and my heart, heart, heart's in my, uh, in my mouth all the time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so is, is going to be in there and uh, you, you're going to be able to go back to it um, a number of times like many of the other lessons. Um, so, yeah, Occam's is definitely going to be part of the experience um, although obviously it's kind of an abstract um, concept. So uh, we're, we're spending a, a little bit of time at the moment experimenting with uh, various ways Occam's could be done.
0: Cool. Uh, next question we have here, uh, have you guys ever considered making an online version of any of the Harry Potter games, or possibly any in the future? I think we've considered making lots of games. (laughs) Ultimately, we'd love to make more than we do, but, um,
6: Uh the movie games are taking up all our time and effort right now, and, you know, we've still got two two more after this one to go, so I think we'll be making movie games for a little while yet. So, uh, yes, we'd love to, um, I'm sure we've had the ideas, but we're not doing it right now. Okay,
8: okay. Um, our next question is, will Jim Dale be narrating the game?
6: Um, we, we don't actually have a narrator this year. One of the things we've, we've really, really, really tried to do um, from the outset of this game is design it so that the presentation of the story is, is integral to the gameplay. And we want you to have this kind of seamless um, presentation of the game, this immersion into the fiction from the minute you sort of start the game to the kind of final credits, really. And so, you know, all the storytelling is done through characters or through in-game characters. You know, it's not really that we just come up against these kind of narrative cutscenes once in a while which try and fill in the story. We're hoping to tell the story throughout, the kind of your, your character interactions throughout Hogwarts and just throughout the game from start to finish. So we're not using any narrators this year
0: Okay. the story. Go ahead, Kevin.
8: Okay, um, the next question, are you going to be, let me check one sec, are you going to be put, trying to read this question off this, uh, thing, (laughs) okay, are you going to be putting anything into the game that has been edited, edited out of the movie?
7: Um, well, Such as it's not things. specifically edited out of the movie, but obviously the movie can only cover uh, a certain amount of the actual book and, and the story. So um, we're picking up some aspects of that, and you know we're spending a lot of time trying to take uh, the, the text and find ways of putting it in the game. So um, you know we've got you going and finding all the DA members, and we've, uh, we, we've gone through all the text and found all these little details about them and tried to, to make missions From them, so you're doing something that's relevant to the fiction with everybody. So you know, we're not just going to make something up and have you do that. Going to be taking something from the fiction, something that you know, as fans, we all know, uh, and and making you uh, be a part of that. So uh, hopefully, uh, uh, that we're going to be able to bring a lot more of the fiction into the video game experience and sort of expand on it as you get to play it. And so. I'm, I'm expecting there's going to be various things that you're only going to be able to solve if you're a real hardcore fan. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what everybody makes of it.
0: Okay, cool. cool. And uh, will there be any connectivity to any other Nintendo video game systems? With the, Like uh, the Wii version uh, could possibly be paired up with the DS uh, like there was for Chamber of Secrets?
6: Um, actually, it's the only thing where I can say that we, we actually haven't got any plans to support this currently. We've okay. kind of done this sort of thing in the past, and um, uh, we're not planning to do it this year, unfortunately. It, it, you know, I think the Wii will stand alone, and I think the DS will stand alone as really good games in their own right, but we, we're not planning any connect- connectivity. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's fine. laughs> yeah, it is fine.
8: Now, this is a pretty important question. What is a game going to be rated, and Why?
3: Well, I guess that's where I come in. <laughs>
0: Let's introduce you, Lisa. Okay. Lisa, what is your uh, exact title at, uh, at uh, So I'm,
3: I'm marketing manager for Harry Potter. Okay. Um, so, uh, so I work very closely with, uh, with Justin and Matt and um, to make sure that uh, we send all the right messages out to all the right people. Um, so in answer to your question about the rating, um, we're... Um, We're not entirely sure what the rating is going to be yet. Um, uh, The the last product, Goblet of Fire, was was the highest rated that we've done uh, to date. And uh, and obviously, as the the films are getting darker, um, obviously, the uh, the games are following suit. So um, we're expecting to have the same ESRB um, in the US, PEGI in Europe, and the USK in Germany. So we're expecting the same that we have with Goblet of Fire, but it's yet to be confirmed.
6: Was okay. Going to say, just to okay. I to what those were, that was an E10 in the Peggy was seven plus, and USK in Germany was 12 plus.
0: Okay. Okay, that's that's good. Well, Lisa, Justin, and Matt, that concludes uh, all of our questions from our listeners. It definitely looks like an excellent uh, Harry Potter video game, and we're looking forward to it. Um, are you guys uh, allowed to talk about release date? Do you have one yet?
3: Um, we can, actually, yes, because uh, I think by the time this is broadcast, actually, we're, uh, we're going to have uh, made announcements, so... Uh,
0: okay,
8: okay.
3: So, so the plan at the moment is that, uh, um, what the plan is, is that we'll be releasing the game um, on the same day as the movie release. Um, oh, that's cool. In America cool. and in the UK. And then what we're going to do is do a staggered release across uh, all the other territories as well, so we make sure that the game is in the shop the same day as the movie comes out.
0: Cool. So after we all see the movie, we can run out and buy the video games and then relive the whole thing again.
6: (laughs) We hope
3: so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
6: I mean, I think Matt and I would really like to thank you guys and, and, you know, certainly all the fans that have been asking the questions and feeding back. I mean, I think we found it really invaluable. And the more sort of feedback we get, the better. It really helps us work out whether we're making the right game and we're putting the right things in. As you can appreciate, we've got only so much time and only so many people working on the game. and. You know we have to make some decisions sometime where things don't go in or they do go in, and if we've got some feedback where people are telling us something's really really important, we can make better decisions about what goes in the game and hopefully please people um, and make the game that they want. So really, definitely a thanks for you and any continuing feedback you give us.
0: All right. Well, no problem, and I I know I'll be purchasing the Wii copy of uh, the video game when it comes out. So I'm definitely looking forward to. Using that as a win. wand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I,
8: I think everyone is.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well... much, Yeah, thanks. Thank you much, guys, for yeah, this thanks. Hey, yeah, thanks. So, once again, the video
4: game will be in stores
0: on July 13th. Eric, I know you're a big video game player.
4: Yeah. Um, I'll do a review on it, like I did on Goblet of Fire. Oh, excellent. Um, the video game, if you want. I think it's cool, though, that we've had, you know... um. The early teens, I think it was, or the, the late teens, we got our first sneak peek of Gobble of Fire. You know, the first trailer, the first pictures, the first everything. And then we were going into it and, and, and uh, introducing it and talking about it. We're doing the same thing now with Order of the Phoenix. I think that's great. I think that's really cool how we got to do this for two movies so far. Yeah, good on point. On this show.
0: Oh, I've been around it over a year now. It's, we're, we're getting old. Uh, we have some Dumbledore Norse facts now. We haven't had these for a while. And I know people have been really looking forward to these, Jamie.
1: Well, I've got a special list of them this week since uh, oh, it's been so oh. long. Awesome. You know, here's, uh, now, there are a couple that have been ripped straight off Chuck Norris and a couple that haven't. So uh, uh, here, here goes a couple. Okay. When Dumbledore jumps into water, he doesn't get wet. The water gets <laughs> <laughs> Uh Dumbledore maintains that his only weakness is giant trolls with... St- several large clubs, but this is in fact a lie, designed to lure more giant trolls to Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) Dumbledore destroyed the periodic table because he only recognizes the element of surprise. (laughs) The mirror of Erised is actually enchanted to show you the second deepest desire of your heart, otherwise everyone would see Dumbledore. <laughs> these, three, these three, these three, oh yeah, and and these next three and that last one are from Mike, um, who sent his email quite a while ago, and I only just found it in my inbox, and they're awesome, so thank you very much, Mike. Um, Albus Dumbledore made them change the title to Head Man while he he was at Hogwarts. Albus Dumbledore is no one's boy. <laughs> <laughs> When he was young, Albus Dumbledore entered the Wizard Tournament on behalf of all three schools. Each school finished first that year, since Albus Dumbledore is second to no one, including himself. I like that one. <laughs> Albus Dumbledore does not speak partial tongue. He forces snakes to speak English out of fear. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mike. <laughs> and I'll be back with some more next week as well. Keep I must them admit, I'm pretty those. impressed with those. Usually I'm on really? a of this segment. Those well, are pretty you, good. Well, I'm glad you like them. Thank Mike. Um, so yeah please keep please, please keep sending them in especially the original uh Dumbledore ones you know fashioned on stuff from Harry Potter
0: we have another rebuttal now uh, from our sister and Snape you... I didn't know she uh, was a listener uh, 36 from uh, Spinner's End as everyone knows uh, she wrote to us about uh, Snape and the Boggart uh, she writes I think it's more likely that Snape left the room as he did not wish anyone to see what his Boggart
1: was good point very good, good point. Points. Interestingly, what would Snape's Boggart be? People calling him a coward? People losing faith in him? Stuff like that. People not trusting him? Shampoo.
4: <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay, Mooney. Okay, Okay. Prongs. Just go on making fun of the Snape. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, people... How can you... The
0: Boggart can morph into people making fun of him, I guess?
4: Yeah, that could be it, yeah. There's got to be
0: something else, though. I mean, that just seems probably like his, his, his guys, teenage you know, yeah, guys.
2: Probably, guys, yeah. I have a question. What would your boggart be? Hmm. You bet. <laughs> I bet. Eric, Erica, Eric, I you really want to know what your bogart is.
4: I'm trying to think. Um, nothing, because I'm scared of nothing. <laughs> no, Dumbledore's scared of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I'll think about it. All right. I'll I'll I'll, t- I'll text message you. Robin 45 of Santa
0: Rosa, California writes in about uh, mature listeners older listeners of the show she has a challenge for them as she has won herself Hi Mugglecasters, I've been listening to your podcast for over a year now and I thought it was time I wrote you a real live fan letter and made a challenge to a very special subset of your listeners first the f- fan part I am 45 years old and I've been a f- Harry Potter fan for years right from the time of the first book when I got an iPod last year one of the first things I did was search for Harry Potter on iTunes and up popped MuggleCast I subscribed and have enjoyed every minute ever since thank you Robin now, I hate to go all mom on you guys, but I just have to say that one of the things I enjoy most about the show is just listening to young people speaking articulately and enthusiastically about something they enjoy and have fun with. You do a great job and set a great example. I have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, both huge Harry Potter fans, of course, and I hope they turn out as well as you have. Oh, Thank you, Robin. Now for the challenge. I have to admit it. I have to admit I took some... Oh, I have to admit, <laughs> it took some courage to admit to you all that I'm 45 and a listener to MuggleCast, But I know I'm not alone in all caps. I would like to challenge all your mature listeners to come out from hiding and reveal themselves. Come on, people of a certain age! I know you're out there. Get out from under your invisibility cloaks and show yourself. Show yourselves. Yours, is Fandom Robin. Uh, uh, so that's Robin's challenge. So I guess she wants people to write in to us and say, "I'm I'm a mature listener and." You know, I listen to this show.
4: We've heard from a small fraction of our audience, and that has influenced the show. What I'm saying is there's a large portion of people who are, I'll just call non participants, who enjoy the show but don't really say anything about it. So I, I think, so Robin's challenge is just to hear from more of these people.
0: We do, we do get emails sometimes from the more mature listeners with rebuttals and such, and of course we appreciate it. And uh, so that's Robin's challenge. Email us, let us know you're a listener. Uh, we have another rebuttal now from Melissa Weinkach-Groer. Weintroer. we I can't <laughs> do my... I'm not good with <laughs> my German. Weintroer. <and> <laughs> we Weintroer. We we 15 we of Syracuse, New York. Hi, Marco Casters. I was rereading book six when I noticed how Dumbledore always used a different person to give Harry a note about their Voldemort meetings. First was Jack Sloper. Then Ginny, then Hermione, Luna, and lastly Jimmy Peaks. I was just wondering why Dumbledore didn't uh, didn't send Harry these notes directly, and what,
1: if any, significance this has. Um. Isn't it just because he trusts people and he doesn't think about these things? Because he thinks he thinks he sees someone walking by, and he thinks well, he can give it to Harry since you know, and that's yeah, and a good he's answer. sort of trying to avoid him anyway. So
4: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, especially, yeah. So that's why I didn't give him in person, because if Dumbledore was seen with Harry, you know. Do but- you have anything
0: to add to this, Micah?
4: No. I think
5: that you guys pretty much covered it in saying that he probably just didn't want the same person carrying it to Harry It gets time, suspicious as well, want yeah. to be seen directly. Favoritism on the yeah. stuff. Maybe there's somebody there he doesn't trust.
1: Jamie, you had uh, success I this did, past yeah. week. Um, I asked in 64 about structural architects, and somebody sent in this uh, rebuttal. This is from Joanne36 from San Francisco, California. She says, Jamie, you said in episode 64 that the cast would have to, quote, ask a structural architect. We've got plenty of those as listeners Uh, when discussing the columns in the room of requirement. I sense sarcasm and disbelief in your own statement, so let me reassure you that you have at least one listener who is a structural engineer. I don't know what a structural architect is. I'm assuming that's a UK term. Maybe that's like a structural so sorry, maybe that's like an architectural engineer over here. So, the technical answer to the question, what's holding the ceiling up in the room of requirement is this. It's magic. Actually, when I saw the DA group photo in the room of requirement, I thought those weird hanging columns things were for ventilation, especially since the group is standing on a giant grate. It looks like the room is set up for some serious high-volume air exchange. I love the show, Joanne. Well, perhaps that's like wind stuff to create for the Expelliarmus spell, but uh, I think she's saying that um, the that ceiling would fall down if it was a real ceiling, so it must be magic. So, th- thank you, Joanne, for for writing in. And, the uh, greats are uh, lighting comes out of those. Oh, okay. okay it's cool. for lighting. But um, yeah. And the next week's challenges. If you're an astronaut, can you write in? <laughs> <Yeah>. NASA. <laughs> I can see it next week f- from Neil Armstrong, age however old he is, location. Yeah. <laughs> the moon. Thank you, Joanne, for that.
0: I have a McDonald's update now. We've been getting lots of submissions. You have till the end of the month to send in your listener challenge entries once again. You take a photo of uh, yourself and a little promotional sign for MuggleCast, whether it's at McDonald's or Subway or any Place out in public to help spread the word. Uh, send those into mugglecast at staff.mugglenet.com and put in the subject line, please, listener challenge, so it's easy for me to find all these. Um, and then we'll post them, I guess, like uh, early December. And the contest winner will be winning a t shirt and a copy of the new MuggleNet book. Can we do that?
1: Ben?
2: Yes, we can do that.
1: Jamie, you want to wrap things up today with the British? Jerk? Yeah. Um, somebody sent this in. I'm sorry, I accidentally got rid of the email, so I can't remember who it's from. But uh, <laughs> no, we're off. It all. was from. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're all so useful. Okay, a young man named John received a parrot as a gift. The parrot had a bad attitude and an even worse vocabulary. Every word out of the bird's mouth was rude, obnoxious, and laced with profanity. John tried and tried to change the bird's attitude by consistently saying only polite words, playing soft music, and anything else he could think of to clean up the bird's vocab. Finally, John was extremely fed up, and he yelled at the parrot. The parrot yelled back. John shook the parrot. The parrot got angrier and even ruder. John, in desperation, threw up his hand, grabbed the bird, and put him in the freezer. For a few minutes, the parrot squawked and kicked and screamed. Then suddenly there was total quiet. Not a peep was heard for over a minute. Fearing that he'd hurt the parrot, John quickly opened the door to the freezer. The parrot calmly stepped out onto John's outstretched arms and said, "I believe I may have offended you with my rude language and actions. I am s- sincerely remorseful for my inappropriate transgressions, and I fully intend to do everything I can to correct my rude and unforgivable behavior." John was stunned at the change in the bird's attitude. As he was about to ask the parrot what, what had made s- such a dramatic change in his behavior, the bird continued, "May I ask what, what the turkey did?" <laughs> 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 That's my favorite joke. Uh, that was good. I'm glad you like it. If
0: you would like to contact us, you can use the uh, you can use uh, the phone number one two one eight twenty magic in the United States. If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial zero two zero eight one double four zero six double seven. If you're in Australia, you can dial zero two eight double zero three five double six eight. What's the PO box, Ben? PO box two
2: twenty three Moundridge, Kansas. 67107.
0: You can also Skype the name MuggleCast to leave us a voicemail. And we'd like to remind everyone that next week is our voicemail show. So uh, we're going to have like 10, 15 voicemail questions to answer. It's just going to be, oh gosh, it's going to be crazy. And you can also use the MuggleCast website to contact us via email or the feedback form. You can just do any of our names at staff.mugglenet.com. Or MuggleCast at staff.muggleNet.com. And don't forget to uh, become our friend on MySpace, because we love MySpace. And uh, join our Facebook group, YouTube group, Frapper group, Last FM group, fan listing forums. It's, it's all there on MuggleCast.com. So, uh, that's it. Next, uh, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Jamie Lawrence. Hi, I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Micah Attenebaugh. We'll see everyone next week for episode sixty six. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.
5: The Guardian is currently running a competition where entrance must. Oh Ben, that was nasty.